Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Uh, We finished a series called Under Contract. And we were going through in some detail, not exhaustively, but in some detail, what it means to be in a covenant with God through Jesus Christ. And we looked in Hebrews chapter 6, we grabbed some key verses there, and we were talking about the Bible promises us or presents an opportunity that if we really understand that God signed a contract, so he's a sovereign God, but he signed a contract. He made all these promises that should have been enough, but he understood something about us that people can promise things and say great things, but when when a contract signed, it jumps to a whole nother level. And so God signed a contract, the Bible said, and it gives us the opportunity as we understand that. And we lock these truths into our heart. It gives us the opportunity to anchor our confidence in the fact that God covenanted or contracted these promises, and these promises were purchased, sealed, and signed in the blood of Jesus as an everlasting guarantee. So no matter what's going on around us, doesn't matter. God's word doesn't change, and we can lock into that instead of being all over the map. Well, specifically last week then, the very last study in that series was the importance of spiritual endurance. And we studied it, you know, pretty thoroughly in the Bible about what it means to, to be able to be patiently steadfast while, while a promise is working itself out, knowing that God's going to do what he said he would because he, he promised, he contracted it. But how do we remain patiently steadfast even to the point of when and where necessary we fight what the New Testament calls the good fight of faith? And we do it for as long as it takes until the Word of God does what the Word of God promised it would do and God's promise comes to pass. Well, I'm bringing it up again today because throughout the last part of this series in particular, I had a number of of conversations with people and, and they were asking questions like this. Okay, we get it and this has been great, man. This has anchored us for sure. But how do we navigate all of the negative thoughts and the emotions and, and the circumstances that are all over the map and how that's adjusting? And, and, and what if we're people that we are learning and we have stood fast and we've stayed in the face, but let's just be honest, we're tired. We're feeling burned out. And, and, I, you know, and, I, and I would talk to him and say, I, I get it. I've been there a bunch of times myself. That's a really tough place to be. And let me kind of update it to this morning. That's a tough place to be, especially when we're right in front of Thanksgiving. Because right behind Thanksgiving comes, you know, the, the race to the finish line for Christmas. And then we're in New Year's Eve, which is New Year's. And then we're supposed to start this new year with, with you know, uh, with, with brand new uh, goals and, and, uh, and brand new commitments. And we're fresh and we're strong. And most of the time we're like, <laughs> from, you know, from the old year, trying to get a new year started. And so how do you actually do that? Well, today I'm going I'm to give you another practical truth, insight. This one's like super relevant but deeply spiritual. But every single person can walk away and say, okay, I can see how that works. And you can begin to work that in your life. And I'm telling you, the Bible promises, like as in guarantees, not just as in, I just want to inspire you so you can hang on a little longer. The Bible guarantees this will work and you will be able to rejuvenate your strength over and over and over again. 
And you'll be able to stay steadfastly patient. And you'll be able to, when necessary, gear up and fight the fight of faith. This is how it's done so that we can live these fruitful lives. So I ask you to turn to Colossians chapter 2, because Paul's teaching about it in a very concentrated uh, way. And we're going to look particularly in verse number 7, and we're going to see three different phases of developing or replenishing ourselves in our, in our strength. And, and, and all of that's, you know, our faith, the joy of the Lord, the excitement, the optimism, all of that. And the third one is particularly interested. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of lean into that a little more, because that one gives you this kingdom measurement. Like you can tell the gauges of your, of your inner life will begin to show and begin to signal that you're starting to drift. And, and lots of times we don't catch it till we're already off the charts, right? We're broken down on the side of the road. We've, we've done something. We've said something. We've thought something. We've, we've leaned somewhere. But this is going to give you a divine way to measure and say, oh, I, I'm slipping, I'm slipping, and point you back to know exactly what to do. So you can keep yourself at optimum strength, optimum level. I'm telling you from studying the Word of God, you'll see it this morning, this is real and it works and it's super practical and relevant. But I'm also going to tell you from experience, uh, when you work this, it works marvelously. When you don't, and this is the vulnerable experience, it doesn't work. And you begin to show the signs. And you can give all kind of reasons and excuse, well, it's this, it's that, it's the other. It's not any of those things. It's this right here. Because there, there's a proverb, and I, I don't remember the reference, you'll have to forgive me. It says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Now, human nature is like, well, no, it, it's because, did you see what I just went through? That circumstance was crazy. That was so hard. That was, I mean, it was unusual. Everybody's going through this. It's not the circumstance because the Bible says no matter what's going on out here, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. As Christians, Christ followers, we legitimately, measurably, sometimes tangibly, we have the internal strength and the internal fortitude to walk right through the middle of something and watch God do what he promised he would do, like real time. But the problem is we, we don't monitor and keep our strength up so that we can be ready to face these challenges. And when our strength does diminish, we don't know what to do. And so we end up going to something that makes us feel good temporarily, but usually ends up draining our tank even further, and we fall off the, the dial, and somehow we have to find our way back, knowing God's faithful, but not really sure what just happened. This is going to clarify so much. And as I begin to see this and put it in, into practice in my life, I'm telling you, it's stabilized, and it gives me the ability long before the crash and burn, it gives me the ability to say, okay, you, you need to be, make some adjustments. So Colossians chapter 2, we're going to start back in verse 6 and get a ramp, uh, and then eventually we'll, we'll read through verse 8, but verse 7 is our focus. You'll see why in just a minute. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. It says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, listen to this, so walk in him. Now I have to stop right there because that phrase walk in him is a Greek word, um, peripateo, and it's really important because it literally means to walk around. But it carries this undertone, this meaning of somebody who has formed a pattern or a pathway in their life. And it's literally picturing, picturing somebody who you've lived in your house long enough where literally when the lights go out, you can find your way in the dark around the furniture because you know where everything's located. There's a, there's a path that you could almost do this with your eyes closed. In fact, for some of us, it's automated. 
And if we don't stop and catch ourselves, we'll just go on the automatic path. I can't tell you how many times I've come out of my neighborhood and made a right to head to the church, and it's, we're not going to the church. But, but this, I go to the office all the time, and so if I'm not thinking, it's just automated, and I've got to flip a U-turn and head back to where I need to go. And so this parapoteo is talking about, it's important that we form a pathway. We form certain rhythms in our life that become, that become so routine to us. This is what defines us. He says, after you've received Jesus Christ, the Lord, form a pattern form rhythms in your life that will govern how your life flow happens. And so he says, so walk with him. And now he's going to tell you three areas that you can watch and monitor and measure, and they'll help you form this pattern and and hold to the pattern. Verse number seven, rooted and built up in him. We're going to talk about each one of these and established in the faith as you've been taught. That's really important. And then the final one is abounding in thanksgiving. So let me just go over these three things and show you how super practical they are, but deeply and profoundly spiritual. Here's number one, the first thing that you have to engage and develop uh, in order to replenish your faith and kind of keep yourself going in the right place. Number one, you've got to become rooted and growing in a relationship with Christ. And that's what the first part of verse 7 says. Again, let me, let me just kind of back up and get a ramp. Verse 6, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Find this pattern, this routine. And the first part of the pattern is rooted and built up in him. Well, the word rooted there is really important be, uh, because it literally means to be firmly and deeply embedded. And it gives a picture of whatever has, has been embedded, whatever has been firmly rooted, uh, it makes that particular person or object fixed and steady and stable and strong. And this is painting a picture really in the Hebrew of this strong tree. And this tree, this tree has pushed its roots down so deep that it's finally reached the right uh, source of nourishment, the right source of nutrients, that it can push those down deep and it can keep drawing constantly up to make sure that it has everything it needs to draw. But not just deep, it's also pushed its roots so wide that it's just gripped down in the earth so that it can stay in place. It can remain stable as it's drawing nutrients and growing so that no matter what's going on in the weather, no matter what's going on in the environment, no matter who's climbing in its branches and swinging around on it, no matter what rope is tied to leverage to it, the, Bible, or the, the Bible's painting a picture that it can, it can hold strong, it can stay new, new, uh, nourished, and it can stay stable. And that's why it says not just rooted, but built up. Because this is another Greek word, and this particular Greek word is a triple compound, and the first part of the word, it literally is referring to a house or a building. The second part of the word is literally referring to the process of building that building, and then the third part of the word that's tacked right onto the front is, is, is literally the word upon, and it's painting a picture that this is something that has been built, or we'll go back and tie it in, that has been rooted deep and has been rooted wide, and it over the years has become more and more uh, firmly embedded so that now it, it, it can actually begin to grow. Something can happen that will not just put it in place, but will cause it to thicken up, will cause it to mature, will cause it to get higher and higher. So something is being built firm enough that it can be built upon, it can be added to without risking that the building is going to collapse. 
So the first thing we have to do is we have to understand how do we, we have to understand how do we become rooted and growing in a relationship with Christ, and we've got to engage that. Here's step number two. Uh, once you're rooted, or as you're getting rooted, it allows for us then to become established in the faith. Established in the faith. And, and this word established, again, we find it in, in, uh, in Colossians chapter 2, the second part of verse 7. It says to be established in the faith, notice this, as you have been taught. Well, back in, in the, the letter to the, Coloss- the church at Colossus, um, they, they, were being, they were being written or taught by the word of God. Now, Paul, we don't know whether he knew that this was going to be canonized and this would be actual scripture, but he was receiving insight and revelation from the Holy Spirit to get the New Testament church up and off the ground. And so we would read that as you've been taught, not just as what a local pastor like myself or a podcast or whoever your favorite you know, speaker is. We're talking about as you've been taught from the word of God. Back to the Word of God. Always back to the Word of God. Anybody who's teaching myself or anybody else, if they're not coming back to the Word of God, then they're going a different direction. Whether it's slight or it's, it's, it's a lot, they're going a different direction. So he says we have to be established in the faith as the Word of God teaches it or as we've been taught. Well, the word established there, again, is another one of these really grounded words. It means to make firm. It literally means to get something rock hard like concrete or to stabilize it. But when we talk about a person's life and and we're applying it to how our life comes together, it means that our life should prove something. As we're living this out, the growth, the, the stability, the steadfastness of our life should demonstrate and authenticate that the truths that we are living by, these are the ones that work. This is really how it works. And we should be authenticating or verifying or proving that as we're living our life and people are observing and we're growing. In fact, that's what Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, that we're not to be conformed, constantly adjusting to the architecture or the patterns of this world, but we're to be transformed, changed from the inside to the outside by renewing our mind, aligning our mind to the Word of God. And it says that we're to keep doing that until our life proves, proves by example, demonstrates well, something that's good and something then that becomes better or more acceptable and then something that finally is the perfect or the full mature, the full promise of God. Our life will grow. So we start with rooting ourselves in, in a growing pattern, and then we establish ourselves and we hold it, and we just get that thick and concrete, and we hang on to those patterns, and we watch our life begin to demonstrate, wow, this stuff really works. God's true. He does exactly what he promised he would do. And when we're rooted and established, it gets us to phase number three, which is kind of the most exciting part for me of the morning. Uh, and number three says that we overflow in thanksgiving. Now that's really important that we stop and we, we hear what it's saying. In fact, in Colossians 2 verse 7, the last part, it says, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Here's how the message reads. It says, and let your living, that peripateo, that walking in the pattern rooted uh, and, 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 and growing and established in the faith of what the word of God teaches, let that pattern of living that you're carving for yourself, let it spill over into thanksgiving. And the word abounding here, or in a message translated spilled over, is a Greek word that means to uh, 
to demonstrate or to experience in something that's beyond what's regular, extraordinary. In fact, some scholars say we're not just talking about abounding or abundance. We're talking about super abundance. Something that like you stick your cup under there and it's just flowing over and over and over and over and you don't know what to do because it keeps coming out. It's going everywhere. There's a super abundance and that super abundance should be happening in our life, but it should be happening with thanksgiving. Now we have to talk for a minute about the word thanksgiving because when we think about that, we either think about, you know, the big meal we're about to eat with turkey and, you know, with friends or family around the table, or we think about kind of a one-liner or, you know, a nice little card expressing appreciation for something. And, and that's true, but that's like the minimum. That's really not what the Bible's talking about only. The word thanksgiving uh, is a compound word that, that really describes a deep reservoir that flows out in a warm uh, appreciation, but a warm goodness, and a gracious optimism. And it's usually directed at somebody or, or towards something uh, or in reference to something that somebody has done. And so when we're talking about the Lord, we're, we're talking about that thanksgiving wells in, up in us and maybe we're waiting for him to do something. We're in a hard spot and we're waiting for him to do something. We're fighting the fight of faith. We're holding on in endurance. But again, it says that this is, this is an overflow or an outflow. So when we're rooted in the word of God and we keep drawing up that encouragement and every day we're in the Bible and we're, we're recognizing, nope, the word of God's still true. My circumstances doesn't look like it changed, but the word of God's still true. And we're reminding ourselves, that's okay. God's on the job. He's not late. He's got some other things he's working out evidently, but all I know is I'm going to stay right here because the contract says he will do what he will do. And as we're feeding on that faithfulness of God and our roots are having the opportunity to push down deeper and push out wider than they have before. And we're becoming, you know, we're growing, we're getting thicker and we're having this deeper trust in the Lord and we're becoming established in the faith as all that's happening. At some point, thanksgiving begins to flow out of us, not just for what God has done, but all of a sudden we begin to realize, look at all the things that he's done for me my whole life. Look at all the things that he's promised he would do. And by the way, signed a contract. We know that he's going to do this. And we're so grateful that in these moments of challenge and crisis and desperation, we're not like lots of other people. Like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to the contract. I'm going to go back to the heavenly father who loves me, loves me, loves me. And who's promised me as, as, as Spencer said this morning, if I've already given you Jesus, I'm not going to be stingy with everything else. I want to give to you what I promised I would give to you. And as we're drawing all that, thanksgiving is a much deeper well than just thank you for doing what I asked you to do finally. But thanksgiving begins to well up long before that particular thing happens. Thanksgiving kind of characterizes everything that's going on in our life. Now, here, here's the measurement part that's so important. If you begin to recognize, and sometimes we don't self-evaluate really good, so maybe your spouse recognizes it for you, or your coworkers recognize it for you, and they're like, man, what's going on with you? You're like just grouchy. You're like, like super grumpy, like everything's so negative. I mean, is the sky really falling or what's really happening here? But as we begin to recognize that our, our, our tones and our attitude, our outlooks, and, and the Bible says out of the abundance of your heart, whatever's going on down there starts coming out of your mouth at some point. 
So if you begin to, to, you know, to engage faster and more prolifically and longer in negative conversations about whatever it is, whatever you're frustrated about, whatever you're afraid of, and you never, never is there inserted. If, if, if it is, it's a courtesy, but never is there genuinely inserted the faith you have in, a, in an abundant promise-keeping God then here's what you know about yourself. Don't, don't get self-condemned, but just let that be the warning on the dashboard of your life saying, okay, either you're not rooted in the promises of God enough, and you've got to go back to the Word of God and press your roots down in whatever that area is, or your roots are not tapped into the nutrients and you're, you're dry, I mean, it's hot out here, right? You got some intense things you're going through and you're not getting enough nutrients, enough hydration that's coming up. So you need to spend more time meditating, more time thinking about, more time reading the word of God to hydrate yourself or something has, has come that has so shaken you that you've, you've jilted and you're, you're losing, you're being anchored or established in the faith. By the way, in, in what we've experienced in the last couple years in this nation, you can find Christians all over the place that have any one or all three of those going on. No longer rooted in what the Bible really says. Or they're rooted, but man, they, they're so overwhelmed with being isolated and frustrated and off kilter and off balance that they're not drawing, they're not spending time in the Word of God anymore. Their daily devotions are just a foregone conclusion. Um, you know, their, their church attendance is really off. The, all of these things are those stabilizing that parapetal. What's the rhythm of your life that's keeping you hydrated and strengthened and encouraged from the inside to the outside? Because that's the way God's designed us to live. And so if you begin to recognize, I'm struggling with thanksgiving. I'm just not. I'm not. I'm frustrated these days. I'm not. I'm not thankful. I'm afraid. I'm angry. I'm. I'm greedy. I'm covetous. Whatever it is, then here, here's. Listen. Don't beat yourself up for feeling that way. Recognize you've got a dashed light going off in your life, and recognize. Okay. So let me go back. Am, am I not rooted in whatever that is anymore? Finances. Am I not rooted? Do I not believe that God is my source? That God can supply, will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. I don't care what's going on in the economy. I won't do without because the Bible says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. God will take care of me. I'm his child. He won't let me go hungry. And see, if you're not rooted in that, you don't have a confidence in that, then you need to go back and root that. Sometimes we are rooted, like when somebody confronts us, no, 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 I totally believe that. Okay, then you're not drawing up enough nutrients and it's, it's really hot out there right now, and you're, you're starting to be dehydrated because you're just simply not pulling us in. You're hearing so much about the news and the threats of what's going on in the job, and, and you know, you're, you're looking at the trends and what if this and what if that, and you're not feeding on the consistency and the generosity of a God that promises he'll meet your needs. And that, so you're getting dry, right? Or maybe something has, has happened and it's just challenged every single one of your values. And you're like, I don't even know if God cares about my finances anymore. I'm not even sure that God wants to meet my needs anymore. Maybe that's part of the Christian experience. We suffer as much as possible and then we want to go to heaven. So we'll appreciate heaven more. Not biblical, by the way. But, but I'm telling you, this happens all the time. And rather than just wallowing in unthankfulness, 
Rather than just letting myself get more and more negative and the people around me start isolating because who wants to be around that person? Right? You'll try to encourage them, but after a while you're like, hey, dude, you're just not accepting this. So, no, I'm not going to have coffee with you. No, I, I don't want to hang around you right now. Uh, I'll pray for you, but I need to be over here because you're starting to drag me down. But see, we have this phenomenal warning light on the inside of us that says something's going on because Thanksgiving, listen, if you're a believer, Thanksgiving shouldn't have to be manufactured. Thanksgiving should be an outflow of a heart that's rooted, that's drawing up nutrients and growing, and that is becoming more and more established in the faith. And so, so this is, it's a great little metric for us to look and say, oh, okay, so that's how it works. And we know what to do on every single occasion. Now, let, let me kind of take, take you a little deeper into this. And we're going to go to Psalm chapter one and see something that will give you the exact step. Well, how do I do that? I'm going to show you. But let me just kind of go this, down this pathway uh, so you don't think I'm just taking a couple of isolated passages. Mark chapter 4, Jesus himself makes this big announcement to this huge crowd. He's saying, whoever has ears to hear, pay attention to this because this is, this is the key to understanding so many things in the Bible. And, and I'm going to put it in short. Jesus said, the whole kingdom of God works like a farm. Now, Christians don't always understand that. We think it works like a landscaper. If we can get to the right conference or the right service with the right music and the right atmosphere and just the right you know, words and we have just the right feeling, then we can go and God's just going to plant a giant fruit-bearing tree right in the middle of our life and we're going to walk out and life is going to be awesome and will never be the same again. I'm not saying God doesn't do miraculous things, but that violates the pattern of growth and maturity in Scripture. God, God can break an addiction off of you, but you still have to go back and peripateo, root yourself back in the healthy patterns. God can do a financial miracle for you, but you still have to peripateo, go back and root yourself and establish yourself in the framework of New Testament stewardship so that God can keep blessing you. And so Jesus said, the whole kingdom works like a farm. Well, several times in the Bible, uh, we're referred to as Christians as trees of righteousness. And here's something that you don't have to be an agriculturist or a farmer or, you know, even have any interest in, in plants or, you know, or gardens or to know this. Before a, a fruit producing tree can actually begin to blossom and bear fruit. I'm talking about ripe, rich fruit, fruit uh, proportionate to what that tree is designed to do. The first thing it has to do is to push its roots down deep enough into the soil to number one, anchor itself, and to number two, draw from the nutrients. Then once it's anchored and once it's drawing from the nutrients, then it can begin to send its limbs up and, and send its limbs out to prepare for fruitfulness to come over the seasons, over the time of their life. This is not negotiable. If you don't get a little sapling planted right, and most of the time you'll see, you know, People that are, that are knowledgeable or landscapers, they'll put those three guy wires to hold it in place while the roots are getting, getting cemented. But if you don't get that done, then you can't expect for this tree to be the fruit producing tree. I don't care what the little tag from Lowe's or Home Depot or wherever your landscaper promises. If you don't let those roots settle down, but once it gets anchored and it's being nourished, listen, from below. That's all in secret, right? That's all behind the scenes. 
That's not what happens in public when people are ooing and aahing and, and looking at the pretty blossoms and wondering when can we start filling up our baskets full of fruit. Below the surface where nobody else gets to see, once it gets its roots pushed down and it's drawing up the nutrients, then listen, then it can endure the cycles that happen while we're waiting for the fruit. And that's the rain and the heat and the snow and the gusts of winds that are flopping it all over the place. But, but it, it can endure that. And by the way, the bigger the tree, the greater the anticipation of the fruit, the deeper and the wider the roots have to go. It's going to take a while. So when we're thinking about what the Lord's speaking to us and the things we're asking God for and the dreams that we have and the, the goals for our life, you know, this is what, this is what I, I want to see the Lord do in my life. And I really believe that, that's wonderful. But have you taken any time at all to stop and say, so how deep are my roots going to have to be? How wide are my roots going to have to spread? in order for me to begin to see not just something that's good, but something that increases to better, and finally something that's fully mature. It's like, that's what the Lord promised me way back there. And I've been working, 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 letting him do what he does in his life. Now, this all makes sense when, when we're looking at a tree. But we, when we pull it in spiritually, we have to begin to understand, listen to me, this process is not quick. The Bible never promises that. It's not easy. It never promises that. In fact, it talks the opposite. That's why we talked about endurance and the fight of faith. And by the way, it's not a one and done process. It's not right conference, right service with the right atmosphere, the right music, and wham, all of a sudden you're a different person overnight. God will deliver you. God will start something radical. He does that all the time. But then it's up to you to pare the tail, carve the groove, start working this thing out so you can stay fully matured. And this is the way the Lord works. Now, this is so important that there's one more verse in Colossians before we quickly jump to Psalm 1. And by the way, once we get there, it's going to be just kind of a quick pace uh, verifying some stuff. But in Colossians chapter 2, we've read verse 6 and 7. But this is so important that listen to what verse 8 says before we move to Psalm 1. This is Paul talking still. He says, beware. And the word beware there is the Greek word blepo. It means open your eyes really wide. It, it's like that sign, that caution sign when you get to certain places or in certain environments and there's a caution sign, flammable liquids or whatever, you know, and, and you're like, okay, so don't be sparking anything up right, right around this area. Uh, or, uh, you know, beware of the guard dog. So don't just sneak in the backyard. I just want to pull a prank and this is going to be so fun. And, and then you get eaten up. Okay, don't, don't do that. Open your eyes, pay attention, because there's a real threat here. And so he says, beware, listen to what he's being aware of, lest anyone cheat you. Whoa. So if God's promised some things, and this is how we do it, but listen, there's a real enemy out there, and he's using other people, and he's using other methods, and listen, there's a real danger of you and I as Christians being cheated out of the very thing that God signed a contract that we could experience. And this is how he says, beware lest anyone cheat you, listen, through philosophy, huh? Empty deceit, huh? According to the tradition of men, huh? According to the basic principles of the world, huh? And not according to Christ. Welcome to the world we're living in right now. 
Everybody, even other churches and denominations and pastors have opinions different than the Word of God. Well, let me just tell you how I see that. Yeah, but you just have to understand, you know, we live in a day and age. It's philosophies. They're deceptive. They sound really good. But on the other side, they're empty. They're easy to swallow because they don't really, you know, they make you feel better about yourself, not really challenging you, not really forcing your roots to go down and go wide. Instead, they're just saying, yeah, but we just got to, everybody's in the same boat. We totally get that. And, and it's really just excusing some things away. But while it's doing that, it's cheating you because you're not coming back to these basic understandings, these basic principles, the basic truths of the word of God that says this is how it works. You work it, and it works for you. You don't work it, and the warning light on your dash is going to start going up. And when it does, you don't have to look too far to say, what's going on with me? I can tell you. You're not rooted. You're not drawing. Or something's hit you so hard, it's shaken. You're, you're being established in, in the whole faith. I just talked to a, a couple again this week, and they really did have something that just slammed them. I mean, this is like extraordinary uh, out of the ordinary. And, and one of them sat there and said to me, I don't even know if I believe in God anymore. And I thought, yeah, I, I get it, by the way. In the moment, I get it. This was like you've been plowed into with a Mack truck. I get it. But this is the, this is the opportunity to go back and say, no, no, no. I, I got roots here. I'm not going to let myself be shaken. I'm going to make sure to reconcrete myself in trusting God no matter what comes down the path. Now that's Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, 7, 8, right? Super power-packed and really practical. Uh, I ask you to turn to Psalm chapter 1, and, uh, and, and we'll, we'll go really quick on this. But listen to Psalm chapter 1. I don't have to teach about it, because Psalm chapter 1 teaches the exact same thing. I mean, it's, it's like they knew it in the Old Testament. Paul's giving us the upgrade with the new contract, the new covenant, and the New Testament, which becomes more clear, and we have more of, of availability to actually pull it off. But this has been true all the time, and it's true in the, in the Old Testament. I'm just going to read Psalm chapter 1. It's only six verses. And as I do, I'm going to point out the parallel so you can see how it's a perfect overlay with what Paul's teaching in Colossians 2. Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walks not... In the counsel of the ungodly, remember the empty, deceitful philosophies, not according to the word of God. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Now, we don't have time to teach, but let me just point this out so you don't miss it. If you begin dabbling in the philosophies of what's going on in the world to the point that they contradict the things of God, I'm not saying we don't keep up to date. We don't, you know, educate ourselves. We don't understand. I do this as much as I know how on a regular basis, okay? But when you begin to allow them to contradict the truths of God's word, listen to me, you put yourself on a downward spiral. And I want you to notice this person, uh, it says, blessed is the one who didn't do this. Let's look at the, uh, the person who did. They just listened to the counsel of the ungodly. So they're walking through the office and, you know, they, they're wrestling with something and, and somebody says something. They're like, hey, what, what did you just say? Well, you know, I just read an article. I mean, I took a class one time here. Here's, here's really what's going on. And they lay it all out. The Bible says that you are first, you're listening in the council. And then all of a sudden you're not, you're not walking and overhearing. You're standing. You've stopped your parapeteo. And now you're standing somewhere else. And if you don't pay attention to that, pretty soon you'll be sitting. And once you're sitting, it's like, this, this is your new devotion, by the way. 
This is what you're devoting your time and your deep attention to. And now you're, you're drifting your roots over into something else. And you're going to get exactly what you pull in. This is how the Bible teaches. So blessed is the person who doesn't do those things. Verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And as he does, verse number 3, listen to this. He shall be, or literally he shall become, a tree planted. That's that phase one we saw in Colossians 2. He's rooted and he's growing. Roots are going down. Roots are going wide. He's pulling up nutrients. So he shall be like a tree that's planted, notice this, by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. So that's phase number two in Colossians 2.7. He's established and he's established so he can hold on and, and keep thickening up so that he can become fruitful in every season, increasingly fruitful. That fruit's getting bigger and riper and richer and sweeter because he just stays there and the tree is growing stronger and more mature. And so this is fruitful. And it goes on, listen to this, and said, whose leaf also does not wither. No crumbly, no, no, you know, no moldy, no bug infested little holes in the leaves. And what's going on with that tree whose leaf also does not wither and whatever he does prospers. This is abounding in thanksgiving. The attitude there is such an attitude, not just of gratitude to the Lord, but of optimism. I'm thankful for what God promised he would do. I don't see it yet, but I'm thankful because God's faithful. I'm thankful for what he already did, and therefore I can be thankful for what I know he's going to do at some point. I live in this faith-filled, optimistic, nothing's going to throw me off kilter. I'm just so happy to be in a relationship with Jesus because he's my all in all. By the way, this shows up in a lot of places in the Bible. Romans chapter 1 puts thankfulness right in the downward spiral of people's lives. It says when they knew he was God, but they wouldn't acknowledge him as their God, neither were they thankful. What's that about? Well, they weren't drawing up enough. The thanksgiving, the optimism, the trust in the Lord wasn't, wasn't overflowing out of their heart, which allowed them to lean in and be deceived. And the, from there, it just goes downward in the spiral and they begin to look for other gods. Philippians chapter 4 says if we're going to come and we're going to let our, our requests and our petition not be anxious or stressed out about anything, but we're to bring everything to God believing, it says with thanksgiving. You need to make sure you're rooted. You need to make sure you're drawing that up. In fact, Psalm 100 says every time we approach the Lord, the first thing we do is we put our hand on the gate of thanksgiving. We come into his, gates, into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. First thing that opens the door is being rooted and recognizing no matter what's going on in my life today, I'm so grateful that I have a faithful God, that I have a God who's done it in the past. He'll do it in the future. He'll do it from now until forever because he promised me he would. And so this is talking about how, how do we abound in thanksgiving. But now let's just quickly read the contrast because this is important to us as believers. It says the ungodly are not so. Now let me stop. It talks about ungodly people. It talks about sinful people or sinners. And it talks about scorn, scornful people. Those are three deteriorating rates of, uh, or, or uh, um, levels of spiritual commitment to the Lord. And so there are people that are ungodly, and here it's talking about saved in the broad, or unsaved in the broadest sense, but it also leaves plenty of room for talking about saved people who are not rooted in the Word of God. They're not living their lives according to the truths and the principles of God, not talking about perfection, 
I'm talking about rooted and growing. Good, I'm getting a little better. I'm starting to get close to who God called me to be. Man, I think I got this thing now. Now stay in that rhythm. Keep rooted, keep established, and let that fruit just keep coming out of your life. So it says the ungodly, those that maybe you're not saved, maybe you are though, you're just not living rooted. So you, you're, you're going to heaven, but you look and sound just like everybody else in the world because you're not actually doing what the Bible says to do. So you don't have any of the strength and any of the benefits. So it says the ungodly are not so, but they're like the chaff which the wind drives away. In other words, something that you know about a person's life that's not rooted is they're here, they're there, they're everywhere. Whatever's going on in the wind of the world Whatever the latest storm is that's blowing through, that you, you can pretty much know that's where they're going to be. So they're, they're just all over the map with everybody else. They're, they're not grounded. They're not strong and stable. Everything's doing this all over the world, and there they are because there's no roots. And it says, so the ungodly are not so. They're like chaff, and they just go wherever the wind of what's happening in the culture, what's happening in the world takes them. It says, therefore, because of that, the ungodly shall not stand. Uh, other translations say, shall not escape in the day of judgment. You got no, nowhere to go. You got no excuses. I don't care whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. When you stand before the Lord, well, let me tell you why that was going on. Well, the Lord said, yeah, let me tell you why. You weren't rooted, <laughs> you, weren't, you weren't pulling it up so you can grow, and you weren't established, and you didn't monitor that. That unthankfulness, grumpiness, grouchiness, negativism, fear, all that was coming out of your heart and mouth all the time, and you just thought it's normal because that's what everybody else in the world's talking. Not normal for us. And so it says, listen, you won't stand or you won't escape in the judgment. Uh, by the way, let me just clear that up so nobody walks out with condemnation. If you're a believer, we're going to go to heaven. We all stand before the Lord in judgment, but you won't be standing in judgment as a believer as to whether or not you get to stay in heaven or not. So don't let the enemy torment you with that. You're going to stand in judgment to see how much of these really cool heavenly rewards that you get. And some people are going to stand before the Lord and they're not going to get too much because they, they accepted Jesus, but they lived large parts of their life along the same patterns as everybody else. And so it says, we won't stand, they, they won't be able to stand in the judgment, uh, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Here's why, because the Lord knows the way of the righteous. In other words, he designed it. He knows this is how it works and he knows how to measure it. But the way of the ungodly shall perish. In other words, who knows all the unlimited areas of destruction and discouragement that people that are not walking according to the patterns of the world because it's wherever, as wide as the wind blows, wherever the storm blows, that's what's happening to their life all the time. So you can see again, all three of these phases are in Psalm 1 plus one more. And here's the one I want to end on today and we'll draw your attention. Look at the difference. Here's the little hinge that everybody can do. That will, as soon as you, you hear th unthankfulness, negativism, fear, whatever that's coming out that's not faith, optimistic, trust in the Lord, when you hear that beginning to come out of your mouth or affect your attitude, then here's what you can do to bring it right back on course every single time. Verse number two, Psalm 1, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in this law he meditates day and night. 
Well, the first thing we have to do is get over the obstacle of what some people think about the law of the Lord. He's not talking about some legalistic rule. You can't do this. You've got to do that. And that, that's not what this is referring to. It is the word in the Hebrew Torah. Uh, but it's really from the root that means to shoot an arrow. And, and the references so many times in the word of God are referring to, to a truth that shoots straight. Or a truth that will show you exactly how life works. And, and so the Bible says we delight in the word of God because it tells us, look, this is how it works. If you do this, it'll work for you every time. You don't have to be stumbling around. I just don't know what's going on in my life. You, you can. You can. We can live these lives that are intentional and on target. And we just follow the Holy Spirit right into this divine nature that's promised to us. But we have to be spending some time in these truths that will just shoot straight. And notice this. It says once we lock into these truths, it says he meditates day and night. It's the Hebrew word haga. And it literally means to mutter or to muse or to contemplate. But, but here's what I love the most. It comes with, with a picture in the Old Testament of a cow that's chewing its cud over and over and over and over again. Now, um, I, I don't know a lot about you know, farm animals, but I learned this years ago. I didn't realize uh, at the time, cows have multiple stomachs. So when they're out grazing in a field or eating the fresh hay or whatever, they'll munch it down, swallow it, and it goes into like one particular stomach. And as crazy as it sounds and as gross as it sounds to us as humans, cows have the ability later on at some point to reach into one of those stomachs and pull it back up and rechew their cud over and over and over again. And the reason they do this, they're grinding and grinding and grinding and grinding to get every ounce of nutritional value out of this. Listen to what the Word of God says, multiple passages, but here's one example in Psalm 19, verse 7. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing or rejuvenating the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening or opening the eyes. Listen, every single one of those are the word of God. But every time that we pull it back up and we're chewing and chewing and chewing, it affects some other area of our life. It, the nutrients just keep coming and coming and coming and strengthening us. And so here the Bible says that here's a guy who recognizes, boy, there's, there's these philosophies and there's this pull in every direction, but his delight is in the word of God that shoots straight and teaches him how to live. And he just keeps chewing and chewing and chewing and chewing, allowing that to fortify and strengthen every single part of his life. Then here's one more thing that's really important, and then I'm gonna, uh, we'll bring it to a close. Meditating from a Bible uh, standpoint is not just regurgitating our own intellect. So it's not just memorizing a scripture, and we just keep saying it over and over, like, you know, like we learned our multiplication tables, or we learned our ABCs. It, it's not just a mental thing. But the Bible says we have this, this kingdom advantage. We've been given the teacher, the Holy Spirit. And so Bible meditation is a spirit-led and a spirit-empowered exercise that we do. And we should be doing it all the time on a regular basis. In other words, it's meditation or memorization for transformation, not for information. But so much of the American culture has such an intellectual approach to Christianity that we come and we think if we're smarter in the Bible, therefore we're more mature. 
well, no, we, we should get smarter in the Bible. But we should learn to chew on that Bible and let that Word of God get down into our heart so the Holy Spirit can help it to transform and change us from the inside to the outside. That's where we get the overflow of thanksgiving. We're not making this stuff up. We're not trying to be thankful. We just are. We're thankful people no matter what happens. We're like, hey, someone just stole your car. Well, thank the Lord I had insurance on it. I'm, and I'm not just being playful about this. I'm telling you, it's hard when a person's rooted and drawing from the faithfulness of God and they're established in who God says he is and what he promised he would do. It's hard to get that person to stay in a negative place even for just a short period of time. They'll always bounce it right back to something that they're grateful and they're optimistic about because of the faithfulness of God. So the meditation of God's word has to, to include the Holy Spirit because listen, he knows exactly what we need. He knows what areas of our life need to be refreshed and rejuvenated. And so every time we come to the word of God, it shouldn't just be like kind of a religious exercise. We should legitimately stop and say, Holy Spirit, before I open this word today, would you, would you guide me through this? Would you, I'm inviting you, come and be my teacher. Come and be the one who, who helps me to know what I need and, and give me what I need for this season in every single season. Okay, so with that biblical understanding, let me just give you three quick practical steps so that uh, you can go home and you can, you can get started or you can resharpen and, and do this. Number one, we have to be intentional about putting God's word in our heart. So that, that's our job. So here, here's what God's not going to do for you. He's not going to, you're not going to wake up first thing in the morning and there's a Bible opened with a cup of coffee that's steaming, you know, exactly the way you like it. And, and the angels there are saying, look, read this. You're not, that's not going to happen. You're going to have to make a choice to get up and say, Holy Spirit, walk with me now and let's spend some time in the word. And by the way, that doesn't happen quickly or easy. You have to figure out the rhythm. For some, some of you, it means going to bed earlier the night before so you can get up a little bit earlier. I get up super early in the morning, not because you know I'm just so invigorated and refreshed, but because if I can get some time early in the morning before anybody else wakes up, the house is quiet. My mind hasn't engaged the busyness of the day yet. And that's time for me to just sit with the Lord and say, talk to me today. I'm desperate for that. And if I miss that time frame, sometimes I can't, I don't recapture it for the rest of the day. I can't. Life just takes off. And so I've got to fight for that rhythm to do that. And, and I suggested to you during the under contract series that you find yourself a parapeteo. You find yourself a pathway. For me, one of the familiar pathways that just walks me into the presence of God and opens me up for the Holy Spirit to direct me in the rootedness and, and the, nutri, the, the nutrition, nutritional uh, flow of my life and in the establishment is Psalm 103. Because it starts and it says, bless the Lord with all of my soul and all that is within me. And don't forget his benefits. And then it walks me through five giant categorical promises of God who forgives all of my sin. And I go through this and I say, Lord, is there anything between us? Is there anything that you need to talk to me about? <clears throat> Sometimes they, uh, the, the answer is no. And I'll be like, well, then would you begin to instill in me a righteousness consciousness? Would you convince me that because of what Jesus did, I really am clean before you? 
that you really are excited to see me. And all of those are works of God and works of the word of God to reposture our minds so that we know that where God, how God feels and where God stands. It goes on and says, who heals all of my diseases? I'll stop and I'll say, Holy Spirit, is there anything that, that, uh, that's in my life that needs to be healed? Not just physically, but emotionally, mentally, uh, in my relationships. Is there anything that's out of sorts? And I'm and, and just take a few minutes. And then sometimes I'll go on and say, well, then Holy Spirit, would you convince me from the inside out that I have a health package that comes straight from you? That there's certain parts of my life that I've, I've literally got a spiritual immunity that's built up that will repel disease and sickness and other things that are, plug, that, that are plugging people out here because you promised me that by the stripes of Jesus, I can walk in the same health and healing that Jesus did. Jesus embraced lepers. Jesus was around all the sicknesses and the disease, the life-threatening things of the day. It couldn't touch him. Well, the Bible says that we, we are part of Jesus's body. So I'll take some time and say, Holy Spirit, talk to me. He redeems my life from destruction. That's not just that he rescues me, he replenishes me. Lord, are there areas of my life where I'm, I'm in debt? Areas of my life where I've got a deficit, I just don't have enough. Well, would, would you come and talk to me about that today? Minister to me, help me to show me how to catch up. Show me how to build that back up. Who, uh, who, uh, who crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercy, who gives me opportunities who gives me favor behind the scenes with people and situations so that life can move forward into God's plan. And then finally, who satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. That one's becoming more precious to me the older I get. Because I'll tell you, I don't bounce back like I used to when I was in my 20s and in my 30s and in my 40s. Now, I don't get down in those places as often because I'm a little wiser than I was before. But I need the Lord to replenish my energies. I need him to, to, to invigorate me so that I can see where the next adventure is and I can be going in there with excitement and with thanksgiving and with a sense of confidence. Listen to me, but all of those things, I'm constantly saying, Holy Spirit, where do you want my focus and attention? Talk to me. Sometimes I can walk through all five of those in probably, you know, six or seven minutes. Other times I get stuck on maybe the first or, or a couple of them and it takes me an hour or more. I never get out of that. But that's what the Holy Spirit's telling me. This is what your roots need right now. You need to draw from that so you can stay solid. Next, um, I, you know, I, I usually keep somewhere close at hand the God's Promise book. Because once he highlights one of the areas, then if I need to, I can grab that God's Promise book and look at that particular area. And there's a whole collection of scriptures that are compliments that are, are, you know, that are related to that and expanded. I can see some other things. But again, I'm not just reading and choosing which one I like. I'm saying, Holy Spirit, are any of these helpful? Do any of these speak to what you want to get across to me and, 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 uh, and support that? And oftentimes the Holy Spirit will highlight one. Listen to me. If you'll open up to the Holy Spirit and you'll open up to the Word of God, I promise you, He's faithful. He does every single time. He will highlight something into your life and you can move forward. When that happens, you move to step number two, super practical. You meditate in that word of God. Listen, until transformation happens. You don't stop. Sometimes it'll take a day. Sometimes it'll take an hour. Sometimes it'll take a week. Sometimes you can meditate on something for months and you're chewing and chewing and chewing and chewing and you can feel that things are getting better. You're getting your head wrapped around it, your heart wrapped around it, but you're not quite there. So you bring it up and you just keep chewing it. Listen to me. If you have insomnia, meditation is one of the 
best ways that I've found. So I'll lay in bed at night and I'll grab some of these scriptures and I don't just wait till I drift off to sleep. I'll lay in bed at night and I'm going over and over the promises of the word of God and I just drift right off into sleep. Sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night and and I'm still meditating on and the Holy Spirit will be speaking something to me. Sometimes I'll wake up in the middle and I can't sleep, but I know exactly what to do. I'll open my Bible. If I watch TV, well, I'll stay up until until I'm tired again and I may or may not sleep well. If I listen to a podcast or do something, but if I open the word of God, listen to me, it it nourishes me. It it brings peace to my life. Um, And and it allows me to to drift off into this sleep thinking about the word of God. By the way, if you're going to stay up to spend time with God, the devil will leave you alone. He does not want you up spending more time with God. He'll say, yeah, might as well go back to sleep then. But if you're not going to do that, he'll do as much as he can to disrupt your rest because when you're tired, you can't think straight. And so this is part of that. So we meditate till it happens. You know, uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 4 says that the word of God doesn't come to us in complete thoughts. It's little seeds. It's little tiny vitamin-packed energy cells or fuel cells. And as we put those into our life, it begins to scatter all the way through the inside of us. And and it, it splits things in half so we can see what we couldn't see before. It begins to whisper things to us so we can understand things we couldn't understand before. It, it begins to, 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 to share with us and show us things that are creative and maybe more strategic and more intentional that we would have never come to those conclusions on our own. But it comes in these little tiny seeds that we're chewing and chewing and chewing and chewing. In fact, Isaiah 28.10 says that real spiritual growth happens line upon line, precept upon precept. As we get those into our heart, we already read Romans chapter one that says, as we chew on the word of God, that our life demonstrates this works from the inside out and it'll bring us from the good to the better and finally to the best that God has to offer and what he promised us. Listen, as you're doing those things, here's the last thing that will happen. I, I promise you based on the validity of God's word, listen, Thanksgiving will begin to rise. And as it does, you gotta let that flow. You can't hold it in. I, sometimes the pride thing, it's like you've been all grouchy and all of a sudden, you know, you're just Thanksgiving. You need to go back and fix that. Hey, listen, I know I've been a little grouchy lately, but man, I just spent more time with the Lord and I just realized it's going to be okay. God is faithful. In fact, last scripture I'm going to read you, Colossians 2, 7, again, but listen from the New Living Translation and we're closing. It says, let your roots grow down deep into him and let your lives be built upon him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thanksgiving. I I don't know what you're going to face during these holidays and maybe you're looking forward to it, the regathering of friends and family. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're like, oh my gosh, I'm exhausted even thinking about it. It's never a good time. And listen, you can't change everything, but you can change you. And here's my encouragement. It doesn't take very long. Begin to meditate in the word of God, even if it's just a few minutes every day. Put that word in your heart and watch what happens. It changes you from the inside out. And thanksgiving, optimism, faith, a good excitement for what God's going to do will begin to come up in you and it'll just overflow. Once it does, nobody can talk you out of it. They can try to get you to be negative, but you're like, well, I get everything you're saying, but I'm telling you, I'm, I'm just excited because I know that God's going to do what he promised he would do. This is a real thing. It really works the way that the Bible promises it does. We're going to wrap today up. Thanks again 
again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.